Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we recap the Kings Classic Draft and show you who we drafted for this upcoming season. On top of that, we'll be giving you our conference previews, showing you who we think wins each, each division, as well as who wins the conference overall. Finally, we're going to give you a week zero preview for this first weekend of the college football season. Let's go. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. Welcome back to Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. I am Xavier Hood, your host, along with my co-host, Jared. Our ats are CFF Jared, underscore Jared, and CFF underscore Xavier on Twitter. Make sure you follow us everywhere on social media platforms. But as you've heard in the beginning, uh, we have a lot to discuss. We've been on a hiatus for a little while. Uh, it's been the summer. We've been enjoying ourselves. Not too much going on for college football, but now we're getting real, real close to the start of the season. Week zero is upon us. I think to believe this week is week zero. I think the, do we have a game on Thursday? Or, or is no, it's all, all Saturday, Saturday games. All Saturday, all Saturday games, games this week. So we do have a, a nice little tease uh, for the college football season coming up. There are a few good games. We're probably going to watch all of them anyway because we've been oh, yeah. craving for this for a while. So without further ado, we should get into the show. Uh, how how you been, Jared? You want to start off with uh, what's been going on? Yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's been great. Again, I've just I've been doing so many drafts. I've been setting up so many leagues. I've been doing the conference only leagues. Um, I did one power five draft. I've done a group. I'm, I'm finishing up a group of five draft today. Yesterday we did our. Um, I did two home leagues yesterday. Uh, Xavier, you're in one of those as well. Uh, that mm -hmm. was fun. Um, oh, that's that was a fun one. That, that those and we face off week week one. I don't know if you saw. We do. We, 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 get do, to, we, we get to start start off with a bang. <laughs> um, so again, I've been having a great time and everything. And in addition to that, we've both been moving. Um, I've, I went on a couple of vacations and everything. So it's just unfortunately just didn't have a lot of time to do a show in between all of that. But now we are set up. We're ready for this season. And speaking of which, I'm going to go ahead and lay out for everybody what our in-season content schedule is going to look like we are going to batten down the hatches we are going to get you guys the content you guys want at a certain time every single week so if you're watching on youtube you can see our content schedule up on the screen for everybody listening i'm just going to run through it for you real quick so we're going to be moving to three shows per week um, we're gonna have two main shows. One will be released at, on Mondays at 11 a.m. This is gonna be the show where we kind of react to the past week. We're gonna be talking about what plays worked out for us, which players we uh, kind of messed up on in terms of starting, which ones we felt like we uh, we nailed. Um, so basically, Mondays we're gonna get you, give you that recap show from the previous week. Tuesdays we'll be giving you the upcoming week preview so this is going to be where we're going to be telling you guys who we think you should be starting who you should be benching uh, we'll be covering a lot of the usually the most high scoring games so I'll be looking a lot of over unders 
Um, I'll be pointing out a lot of those games where the scores are expected to be a lot, very high. And I'll be telling you which players I think you should be looking at for there. And on top of that, we are going to have a kind of third mini show where Xavier and I are going to focus on our Kings Classic roster. This is the team that Xavier and I are sharing. Uh, this is the team that we're about to go over here in a second. And this is the team that we drafted along at the Fantasy Expo, along with John Lobb and plenty of other awesome CFF hosts. Speaking of which, that was an incredible time. Xavier, I'll let you say your bit about that in a second. But um, yeah, that was a great time. I can't wait to go back next year. But still, we're going to have our own show based around that draft, where Xavier and I will be discussing who, who on our roster we're going to be starting every week, in addition to maybe any waiver wire pickups we may have made, um, stuff like that. So it's going to be a good time. I'm excited to do all these shows with Xavier this year. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a great time. But that show is going to be, have a variable release time. We're going to be releasing that one the day before the first game starts for us that week. So sometimes it'll come out on like a Thursday because our first game that one of our players is playing is on Friday. Sometimes it'll come out on a Tuesday because we'll have some Mac player that's ready to get started that day. So that one, we're not setting at a certain time or anything like that. That one's just, you will have at least one episode of that throughout the week. Yeah. Anything you want to add here, Xavier? Or are you ready to move on to the Kings uh, Classic? Move on. I'll talk a little bit more about the Kings Classic when we get over to the next slide. Sounds and good. Our listeners will explain. So yeah, uh, like Jared said, me and Jared participated in the Kings Classic uh, League for fantasy football, uh, hosted by John Lobb with a slew of other fantasy football industry experts. Uh, if I can name a few mentions off the top, I remember Eric Froton being there. Uh, it's hard CFF to forget winning, Froton. Yeah, CFF winning Edge. Um, oh gosh, why am I forgetting? Uh, uh, Mike Bainbridge from the CFF Bainbridge. side was there. Mike Bainbridge. Oh, I'm forgetting. I, for, I forgot Nick's at uh, Twitter name. I don't know oh, why. No, 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 Nick is CF, CFB winning edge. You got it right. Oh, he, no, no. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, JD Yonk was there from Yonkers. JD Yonk. That's why. Um, yeah, his, he's he's the other John. We had three Johns there that were really confusing, but it, <laughs> it was easy. JD was like, let's just call by JD. But yeah, um, we, we participated in a draft with uh, a few of those guys and a few other guys that you may have uh, heard. Some couldn't be there, some were there. So it was all great and all fun. And um, so, yeah, we had, we had a fantasy football draft for the upcoming season. It was a 12-man league? Yes, it was a 12-man league. It was a 12-man league, and the parameters around our league were passing. It was a full PPR league with six passing touchdowns, uh, six-point passing touchdowns. So we kind of had our strategy a little bit adjusted on, uh, on our way there. So And just to give you a little blurb about our trip, we drove there from Georgia. So that was a 10-hour trip for us that we both divided by five hours. <laughs> Uh, five hours between the two of us. And we talked a little bit about the draft and a little bit about fantasy football and some other things. But when we got there, we made our decision. I think we, uh, we're we happy with our team so far, and we're happy to see uh, how far we go in this league. But, um, yeah, if, Jared, if you don't mind going to the next slide of what, how our Absolutely. team looks this year. So, yeah, um, I guess I'll start off with our <laughs> starters. Uh, we drafted Sam Howell, CJ Stroud, Tyler Algier, Jalen Berger, David Bell, Sam Pickney, Garrett Wilson, Michael Meyer, Ty Chandler, and Demontre Tuggle. So we have two flex. Um, and then with our bench, we went JT Daniels at a UGA, Caleb Ellaby, who we both really are high on and we like, Toa Toa out of Nevada, Kenneth Walker out of um, Michigan State, Rakeem Jarrett, Charleston Rambo, Tyler Sneed, and Josh Wiley. We did pick up Mayan Williams uh, after some news came out from Ohio State uh, just recently, maybe just a couple of days ago. 
So that was our first waiver wire pickup of the year because we uh we drafted a UNC wide receiver that we were just like it's easily cuttable. But, yeah, um, we yeah. we had drafted Bo Corrales with our last pick, and even I looked at Xavier and I said like it was it was definitely a pick that we had several guys that we were looking at and we're like no matter who we pick here they're probably the first person we cut for a higher upside pick and once i saw that mayan williams is a possible rb1 to start ohio state for the season i'm like you know what what if he holds on to that yeah if and if we're able to just pick up the rb1 for ohio state right now i had i saw no reason why not to just go ahead and add him to our roster um, he could be cut in like three weeks because, you know, Travion Henderson, everybody loves him. And then but, Master Teague. And it could be running back by committee. So You're right. Again, that's why I'm not planning on starting Mayan Williams week yeah. one. I just want to see. But I, I'm, I'm just saying I don't want to fight him on the waiver wire the next week if he is that RB1. Yeah. So anyway, some of the other guys that, uh, I think we should talk about. So Xavier, we drafted David Bell in the first round, but that wasn't who we were aiming for. Um, no. Do you want to talk about that there? Yeah, we had the, if I remember correctly, we had the seventh pick of the draft. And on the ride there, I, I kind of figured with the six-point passing touchdowns, quarterback, we both came to the consensus that quarterbacks would go early. We all knew, you mm-hmm. know, Malik Willis, number one, Matt Corral would probably go two or three. Um, Spencer Rattler would be off the board. So we were kind of eyeing DJ at that spot, DJ Uyunglele, or Uyunglele. Nailed it. That. There we go. Been working on that for a while. Um yeah, so uh, we were targeting DJ at that seventh spot. We were thinking he could possibly fall. And I think he went at the fifth spot in our draft. So we were kind of thrown for a loop for a second. But we knew if we could get one of those premier wide receivers, uh, we would be set because, you know, though there's only – and for me and Jared, our uh, our there's a top-tier wide receivers. Uh, there's two top-tier wide receivers that we would be willing to take in the first round. That was David Bell and Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU. And we were higher on David Bell, so he went uh, as our first wide receiver, and he was the first wide receiver taken. But we knew we could get good quarterbacks later on, probably in the second or third round. So that was kind of our thinking uh, towards that. Um, I'll let Jared speak a little bit more, because I believe we went Sam Howell as our first quarterback. It, yeah, Sam Howell is where we went next. And I again, six-point six passing touchdowns. There was no reason not to try to hit a QB early, especially, especially one of these top guys. So we went for Sam Howell. This, this is going to be a guy who has rushing ability. Like I'm not, He's not a statue in the pocket. He can't break out, can be used along the goal line to get a uh, rushing touchdown. So he already has that ability. But this man is going to be a Heisman contender this year. He's going to be throwing a ton of touchdowns, especially with Javante Williams and Michael Carter out of the way now. I think they go a bit more back to passing than they had in the past uh, or than they did last year because last year they could rely on Williams and Carter. Um, so I guarantee you that a lot of that offense is going to be funneled through Sam Howell. And I guess I'll go ahead and talk about one of our later running backs. We did we did grab Ty Chandler because we did just want to go ahead and solidify this offense. We wanted to like make sure that no matter how they scored each week, we were going to get a piece of that. And also Ty Chandler is plenty good as a receiving back. So I imagine that we'll be able to stack him with Howell and make sure we get plenty of those touchdowns that way. Um, some of the other things, we actually got another stack here that I want to point out. So we grabbed CJ Stroud. I think it was fourth round, fourth, fifth round. We, we, we hit um, him early. Let's see. I think we got him maybe third. No, we did. Yeah, we, we, again, we, once we saw six point passing touchdowns, we were like, all right, we need to hit two of these top quarterbacks. And again, CJ Stroud recently named the number one quarterback at Ohio State. I think we're very solid at quarterback. I don't think we're really going to need to switch these guys out very often. 
until their bye weeks. Um, speaking of which, I mean, all right. Anyway, I'll, I'll talk about the stack we got with him. We also grabbed Garrett Wilson, I believe, fifth round. Fifth round was it? Fifth or sixth round? Yeah, fifth or sixth round, I believe. Um, yeah. So we have that yeah. stack now. This is, we Xavier and I both um, definitely like Wilson a little bit more than Olave, although they're both going to be fantastic this year. Yeah, um, I, I will say this, like, uh, my heart says Wilson, like, I, I love Gary Wilson and his skill set. I love receivers that are big body and that can go one-on-one and not saying Chris Olave can do that, but I feel like Gary Wilson's more that physical receiver, but my mind is like always, yeah, Chris Olave. I think uh, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it looks like, you know, Chris Olave is the better receiver and probably will get drafted higher in the NFL and stuff like that. It may have I a mean, better season. You, but, for me, you, you can't not bet on talent. I think Garrett Wilson yeah. does have the higher talent than Chris Olave. Again, Chris Olave would have been a first-round, second-round wide receiver last year in the NFL draft. He came Absolutely. back for a reason. I have a feeling they're going to be feeding him plenty of targets because otherwise there was no point to him coming back. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I, I think you can't really go wrong with either one. The biggest concern you have is just them splitting targets throughout a game. Yeah. But if they're putting up big numbers and touchdowns like, you know, what we're expecting Ohio State to do to the Big Ten, then at least, you know, both of them can have touchdowns. You know, it's it just all depends on the league. Mm-hmm. I would definitely agree. Uh, so, Xavier, do you want to talk about our RB situation here? Yeah, uh, our RB situation. We were kind of uh, – I'll be honest with you all. I'm not going to lie to our listeners and deceive the viewers. We were a little bit shaky about our RB situation. We um, Oh, yeah. We kind of strayed away from RB for a while, and we started uh, seeing that RBs were being uh, valued a little bit higher than we, we would normally see, and we uh, kind of forgot in our minds that this is a PPR league, and so we kind of forgot about those big-name uh, receiving backs like, you know, Rashad White or uh, Jaron Ely or some other names that I'm probably forgetting right now. I can't think up the top of I mean, my Tank, mind. But Tank Bigsby. Um... Tank Bigsby as well, because he's going to be a big part of that offense, probably the only part of that offense. But he was going first or second round, so there was no way we could get him. Oh, yeah, but no. what, With the RBs that we got, Tyler Algier, uh, it's, it's a great back because with BYU, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of uncertainty this year. We don't know what BYU is going to look like without Zach Wilson. And um, let's see, Dax Milne is gone as well, too. You have Gunnar Romney is still there. Uh, I guess we don't even know who the starting quarterback for BYU is going to be. We're gonna I believe they're actually Baylor. announcing that today. They're, okay, they're, great. We'll, we'll know, we will know uh, by like the end Baylor of today. Romney and some other guy, I guess. Uh, um, Jaron Hall, I believe, is his Jaren name. Jaron Hall. Okay. So, but Tyler Algier, uh, it's it's a weird story with Tyler Algier. It's like um, he got a lot of touches last year and a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards. But we have to put context around this year. Uh, last year was a COVID year, so they only played uh, select games against select opponents. And it was kind of an easy schedule until that uh, Coastal Carolina game. Now, this year they do have some tough opponents. I believe they play USC, uh, Boise. Um, they play Utah. Utah again. Yeah, Utah again. So it will be a tougher slate for BYU, and that could po- pose as a problem for Tyler Algier. If he has the talent that he displayed last year, then that won't matter. He'll get the touches. He's probably going to be BYU's number one option, along with Isaiah, um, Isaac Rex, if you know their quarterback situation is pretty decent. Or it could have another Zach Wilson type year where we just have a quarterback come out of nowhere, and we're just like, wow, we did not see this coming. I mean, but I'm also going to add in here, they did lose their offensive coordinator to Baylor, I believe. So they like it. It there's a lot. There's a reason why people aren't hopping back onto the BYU offense this year, okay. and that's that's yeah. probably the biggest. That's probably the biggest reason why. Because if you still have the offensive coordinator, 
you could still believe that Tyler Algier was going to like I think if they saw the offensive coordinator Tyler Algier would probably be like a top 24 back this year I don't think he's going with offensive coordinators I mean like I I think a good foundation to an offense is a a good running back and I think you know every offensive coordinator is going to know that even with the like the movement of like spread offenses and stuff like that kind of like moving away I mean, you make you make a great point. I, I agree with you that if it's, with this new offensive coordinator, they're probably going to establish more the run game than they will the passing game, especially since they don't know who they have a quarterback yet. Yeah. But also, we don't know how he's going to split carries among these running backs. Um, oh yeah. I forget the other guy's name. I, I, it starts. It's like lower or something like. I can't remember what's his name. God, I'm going to look it up real quick. Xavier Esau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, so obviously, as you can hear us now, we have a difference of opinion with BYU. But we, we came to the consensus that Tyler Algier was a good enough talent and the mm-hmm. production that he had last year was worthy enough for us to draft him. Um, yeah. Lopini Katua also, yeah. is, the, is, is the other running back I'm a little worried about in terms of I don't know how they're going to be splitting carries between them. But like Xavier said, we came to a consensus. I think we, we drafted Algier in like what, the seventh, seventh eighth, eighth round, something like that. Yeah, uh, so, our first running back taken, uh, if you want to speak on that now and move on from Algier because I feel like we're still a little bit shaky, but we're, we're confident going into the season. This is know, our what, boomer. Well, yeah, Jalen Berger, we took in the fifth round, I think it was. Yeah, I believe, because that's when we started seeing uh, running backs are going far. And I think- yeah, so this is our kind of big home run swing where yep. this could this could burn us or it could really work out for us. Because, again, we all want that number one Wisconsin running back um, as long as Paul Chris is there. Like, like they're going to run them into the ground. But the problem is we haven't seen that yet from Jalen Berger. And in addition to that, he's currently injured. So yeah. he's not getting the reps at camp and everything. So if he takes back that number one job and he really does get those carries that we're wanting, this is going to be wor- well worth our pick. But unfortunately, I'm feeling a little bit shaky about that. But I feel pretty confident with some of the guys we drafted later in the draft, like Demontre Tuggle, my boy. Yeah. Um, we grabbed him as our second flex. Uh, Kenneth Walker, I oh, think, could yeah. very much work out well for us. Uh, working with Mel Tucker, very defensive-minded head coach. He wants to establish that run in order to protect his defense. So therefore, I think Kenneth Walker could easily be one of our best options this upcoming year. Uh, like I said, Mayan Williams, if that really works out for us, that's gonna be incredible. Um, and then we also grabbed uh, Toa Tawa from Nevada. That's another just running back. Like if, if he works out, it works out. If he doesn't, easy waiver wire cut. Um, Xavier, you wanna talk about either our tight ends or a wide receiver situation, which would you rather go with? Well, I, I was going to talk about. I uh, just wanted to give a little blurb about Kenneth Walker because I, I've 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 loved what I've heard about Kenneth Walker out of camp. There, he's und- it's undeniable. I believe he's going to be the number one uh, running back for Michigan State. There's a lot of people that have a lot of hope that he could be their first uh, thousand yard rusher in a very very long time. And you know, a lot of the work that he got last year was a lot of goal line touchdowns, which he did. He was like top five in touchdowns for a while in all of college football um, for t- running backs. Um, so, but it, he wasn't getting the type of, uh, touches that he wanted at Wake Forest. That's why he ultimately transferred to Michigan state. And I think with Michigan state, you just have a lot of uncertainty in that offense. If Kenneth Walker is that guy that you want to just, Hey, run to the ground and see what he can do. I'm all for it. And he could very well, you know, break out to be one of those, uh, a, a very productive back. I'm not going to yeah. say like top 10 or top 15 just yet, but what I'm hearing, it could possibly be like that, but going, moving yeah, but, but moving like, on to our wide receiver and tight end situation, I probably want to talk about the wide receivers, but I'll let you talk about those first. 
Uh, no, you go ahead. No, you, you go ahead, man. Okay. Um, yeah, so like we said, we got David Bell first round. That was our first pick. Uh, Purdue's offense is going to run through him. Um, he is going to get the touches, uh, a lot of targets. Whoever's going to be named the starting quarterback, I think me and Jared are both in the same boat of, oh, man, I always get the name wrong. I always decide between Jack or Jake. I want to go with, uh, I think his name is Jack Plummer. Or is it Jake Plummer? It's Jack Plummer. Let's go. I got it right on the first time, first try. But yeah, Jake Plummer, I, I think we're both in the did same you, boat. Xavier, did you just congratulate yourself on saying Jack Plummer? And then immediately I, the next sentence, you just go, oh God. Jake Plummer. God, I told you I'm bad Bro. at this. I'm very bad at this. It's always, I don't know why. It's just like, I don't know why. It's just like so many quarterbacks, Jack and Jake. That no, I, I get it. I get it, man. I get it. So Jack it just Plummer. goes back. Jack Plummer, but I think we're both in the same boat of like we believe that Jack Plummer is going to be the starting quarterback of Purdue, and I think it doesn't even matter because like O'Connell is great with David Bell too. We've seen games half of the games with Plummer and the other half with O'Connell, and they still produce with David Bell as their exactly. best receiver. So either way, but I would rather have Plummer because if I can pick up Plummer on the waiver wire for you know a couple of my other leagues, then that'd be great as well too. But that's neither mm-hmm. here nor there. But, yeah, and then uh, we went on with Garrett Wilson, uh, top receiver. He could be one or two at Ohio State, so that's always good. Ohio State receivers are a good premium next to Alabama or LSU, depending on the year. I think, you know, this year is probably going to be Ohio State at that number one for wide receiver U. So then we went Sam Pickney out of Georgia State. Uh, You know, Georgia State is a very interesting team every year. Uh, You know, you don't think of Georgia State as a big football powerhouse program, but they're – slowly but surely coming along and making their way in their conference uh you know Cornelius Brown the fourth is not a bad quarterback for like a lot of deeper leagues and Sam Pickney is his number one receiver and also you have uh ah, man I'm gonna say his name wrong it's Destin Coates not Devin Coates as the running back as well too so they have a pretty um they have a pretty balanced offense but Sam Pickney is definitely that one uh number one receiver um I'll let Jared talk a little bit more about our receivers on our bench depth but uh yeah that's it for our receivers yeah no again I'm, I'm very happy with our receiving core and uh in addition to that we also grabbed michael meyer uh tight end is probably one of xavier and i's favorite tight ends especially in that second group of tight ends that tend to go off well after cole turner goes off um i think michael meyer might be the top receiver at notre dame or Absolutely. might have the most receptions at notre dame by season's end i think it's a very big possibility and especially in a ppr league i see no reason why not to benefit from that um, in terms of our receivers on our depth, again, we got a lot of guys here that I think are very good pieces to have for right now. See how they go the first couple of weeks, but easy cuts if we need to need them to be. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland, again, once again, betting on talent, seeing if he has that breakout year that we're hoping for. Charleston Rambo, one of my guys. I didn't realize, so Xavier, I put together like all my, uh, like which people I have the most shares of, like through all my mock mm-hmm. drafts and everything. I have an unhealthy amount of Charleston <laughs> Rambos on my rosters. I have eight shares of Charleston oh, Rambo. God. The next receiver I have, I have four. Oh my God. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm betting big on Charleston Rambo being the number one wide receiver in Miami. But again, I'm not, I usually draft him late. So if he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. Tyler Sneed, number one wide receiver at ECU, could easily be a starter for us on any given week. But again, if CJ Johnson does break out and Tyler Sneed kind of fades a little bit, easy cut for us. And then our last tight end was Josh Wiley. Um, tight end out of Cincinnati, another guy that could possibly be the number one target on his offense in terms of the passing game. 
So I saw no reason why not to just pick him up later. Yeah. So that's our draft for the Kings Classic draft. Like I said before, we are going to have a show dedicated to this league, where Xavier and I will be hopping on here and talking about every single week who we want to start, who we want to, um, who we picked up on the waiver wire, all that good jazz. Much shorter show, um, and like I said, it'll be kind of varying each time, each week. But yeah. with all that said, we're going to move on to our conference predictions. And so what's oh, yeah. going to happen here is Xavier and I are going to give you who we think the top two, um, we're going to give you the top two teams we believe will be out of the, out of each conference. So therefore, um, who wins each division or if it's like the AAC or Big 12 where it's just a free for all until you have top two teams. Uh, we're going to just kind of go with that. So the first league that we have up here is the AAC, American Athletic Conference. So I'll go ahead and start with my predictions. Xavier, you'll start first in the next uh, conference, and we'll just go back and forth. So I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. I think you're going to see Cincinnati be the number one team here. I honestly wouldn't be 100% shocked if Cincinnati is undefeated by the end of the year. Uh, definitely within conference, uh, maybe overall, because you know I do think they can beat Indiana. I do think they can beat Notre Dame, especially Notre Dame losing as many pieces as they did. I see no reason why to doubt Cincinnati this upcoming year. Now, my second team, I think, is a bit of not a sleeper or anything like that, but like I, I believe in this team, and that's I'm going to go with the Southern Methodist University SMU um, Mustangs. This is a team that has mastered the weight or not the waiver wire, the transfer portal. Might as well be a waiver wire at this point yeah. for being real. Um, this is a team that has mastered the transfer portal in terms of the pieces that they're able to bring in. They are really bring, building themselves a great program, a great offensive system they got going on down there. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, I think, will be a great piece for them to work with. If not, Preston Stone, very talented freshman quarterback coming in, really pushing Mordecai from what it sounds like in camp. So I think either option is going to be great for them. They got a stable of receivers in Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray, Rashi Rice, who I think are just going to nail it this year. They brought in Grant Calcaterra from Oklahoma after he's been off of football for a year. Again, this school has mastered bringing in Power 5 transfers into this program, and I think it's going to pay off for them this year. I think they make it to the ACC championship, or the AAC championship, excuse me. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I, th I see no reason why Cincinnati doesn't win the AAC this year. So, Xavier, I'm going to let you talk about your two teams and your winner. Yeah, uh, so I'll start off. It's similar to Jared. I, I, I'm really high on Cincinnati as well, too. I think, uh, like Jared said, they can go on to possibly being undefeated. I think they will beat Indiana. Notre Dame I'm a little bit shaky about. I think they have enough talent left on that defense, even though their D.C. did move over to Notre Dame. So that will be an interesting matchup to see. I know John Lobb talked on the Campus to Canton podcast about that game as well, too. That was an interesting uh, analysis that he gave, so you should uh, check that out as well. But, yeah, Cincinnati have a lot coming back with Desmond Ritter, uh, Jerome Ford at running back. Uh, that defense is still solid. So, And I believe defense wins championships, or defense can take you to that championship game. So Cincinnati would be my first team, you know, going to that, uh, that championship in the AAC. Now, on to my next team. This is where me and Jared differ a little bit. Now, I'm speaking a little bit more on defense. I know from the fantasy side, this is probably the less sexy pick, but you have Tulsa. Tulsa is a great defensive team in that AAC. They they put up they they put out a lot of great talent. Like you had this past year, I think Zavin Collins was their star running back that went to Arizona and linebacker. Just, linebacker, yeah. Like, what did I say? Running back. 
Running back, wow. Yeah, I'm thinking about so many linebackers that turn into running backs and running backs that turn into linebackers that it's just all confusing now. But yeah, Tulsa, they put out a lot of good talent. They have a great defensive system. Now, I'm concerned, though. I mean, they're, they are moving on from their former quarterback. I think his name was Zach Smith or something like that um, this past year. He was very boomer bust. Like, he'd start off very slow, and then by third or fourth quarter, he would just run off for like three or four touchdowns. But now he's not no longer there. So it will be an interesting thing on offense. They still have Keelan Stokes as a really uh, decent serviceable receiver in fantasy as well, too, if you can get him later on, who I believe uh, can, you know, provide um, provide that production. Excuse me. And, you know, I think all in all, Tulsa's defense will take them as far as they, they need to go in terms of that championship game. I think they can knock off SMU in that conference, you know, with the defense alone, you know, keeping them low, low scoring. Because I think last year they beat SMU as well. With, they did. Uh, they did, so I think they can do that. I think they can repeat that. But ultimately, I have Cincinnati winning it all because it's just Cincinnati. The, the mm-hmm. season they had last year, the starters they have coming back, it's just a no-brainer. It would be a shock for Cincinnati to not make it as far as the, uh, the championship game. I would definitely agree. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the AAC. And so, Xavier, do you want to go or, ahead and hit your Oh, guy? no, sorry. This is where you messed up the ACC. Did I say it? Did I say it wrong again? Yeah. Ah, uh, dang it. Dang much. it. Dang it. All right. So I'll, I'll let you give your first two teams and then we'll go to my teams. Okay. Oh, man. I love this. Um, so, yeah. First off, let's just get the elephant out of the room. It's Clemson. It's always going to be Clemson for a very long are you pretty, time. Are you, are you picking them to be the winner? We'll get to that. But I'll start off with Clemson. It's the powerhouse of the ACC. Like, you have Dabo Sweeney and whatever five star quarterback that he's just going to elevate, which is going to be DJ this year. And the, farm or stable of receivers they have now i will say it is a question mark with their running back room this year or they don't have travis Etienne anymore and they have to find i'm not it will be interesting to see clemson have a running back by committee it's been a while since we've seen that from clemson uh since travis Etienne. i mean was that number one for a while so it will be interesting if one person breaks out or if we have you know multiple just in the game just rotating but i think that receiving core Braden Galloway probably will have a better tight end season. The offensive line is still, you know, poised to be straight and protect DJ. So my, Clemson will basically steamroll their way all the way to the ACC now. That first game of the season will be a test. But moving on to my next choice, this is this is a team that I've, you know, always admired, and I think they're making a resurgence, and this, this is their time. I'm going with the U, the University of Miami. Maybe is actually – He's made his way to bringing that program back up to just notoriety. Uh, it's it's so weird to say because, like, you know, you had uh, Miami and Florida State being those bottom-tier teams that were formerly great. They are trying to get their programs back on track, and Miami's probably done it the right way instead of Florida State doing it the wrong way. But Florida State, they're an interesting team to look out for the future. They are making some moves that are interesting. But let me get – let me – get off uh, back on track Miami with that defense Miami's defense is always going to be great I don't care what anybody says they always recruit very well especially in that secondary and they also did very well with getting uh making some transfer portal pickups and with if De'Aaron King comes back fully healthy with Charleston Rambo Mike Harley uh Higgins just they have so many weapons and then they have great running backs to just if any one of them break out as that number one running back and have that bell cow roll, whether it's going to be Cheney, Cameron, um, Knighton, they're all so great at breaking tackles and getting all, getting loose that, you know, any one of them can be serviceable for that Miami team. So I think they will make their way. I know it's not the greatest pick to where, you know, a lot of people may see UNC, but I feel like UNC lost a lot of dynamic players to get them that way. And they're 
they're just a few pieces away. They're they're moving in the right direction though. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. And again, I don't think Miami's a bad pick here at all. Uh, I'll go ahead. Or, or excuse me, real quick, you you got a uh, you got to pick oh, your ACC uh, winner. My, my winner, ah, it's Clemson. It's still gonna be. Clemson. <laughs> God, I, it, it pains it pains me to say it, but it's it's gonna be Clemson. Yeah, we'll go ahead and move on to my guys. I got Clemson in the ACC championship. I got them winning as well. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Like they're still the powerhouse. Like Xavier said, but I'll go ahead and talk about. Uh, who I'm picking to join Clemson in the ACC championship game. I got the UNC. I got the Tar Heels. Um, I really think that uh, Sam Howell in his third year this year, he's got a lot to prove. He's got to be that. He's looking to be that number one pick in the NFL draft next year, or at least the first quarterback off the board. Um, he's got a plethora of receivers, even though Daz News and Deami Brown both off both off to the NFL. I think Josh Downs is going to be incredible for them this year. Uh, Joffrey Brown, De'Ami Brown's little brother, is said to be just as good, if not better, than De'Ami Brown. Uh, Bo Corrales is always going to be that uh, reliable wide receiver. I think uh, he's got plenty of weapons to work with. Ty Chandler brought in from the transfer portal. I think he's got, um, I think they got running back figured out. Uh, freshman Caleb Hood uh, is... Uh, now said to be the RB2 there, so he kind of provides a change of pace back in terms of Ty Chandler, because Ty, Ty Chandler, he's kind of, you know, quicker, um, more receiving back. Um, and then uh, Caleb Hood is a bruiser. This is just a big boy that you can just run into a defensive line and hope he gets you three three yards in a cloud of dust on a fourth and one. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be fantastic this year. Their defense is going to be improved, and I see no reason why they don't make it to the conference championship over Miami in the coastal so we'll go ahead and move on from the acc we're going to go on to the big 10. let's go so first things first it's ohio state in the east i see no reason why not they're not slowing down on recruiting on um they're not going to slow down for anybody in that conference i don't really see them losing a game in the big 10 this year as far as I can tell, I, I need to look into that schedule just a bit more. But even still, I would be shocked if um, anybody got close. Maybe Penn State if they make a resurgence. But as far as, I mean, there's a pipe dream of Indiana. Like, I would love to see Indiana knock off Ohio State. They were close last year, but that defense is going to be better. I see no reason why not to bet Ohio State to make the championship. And the other team I'm going to go with is a bit, I think, is a bit of a surprise to most people. But I'm going to go with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, bringing back a lot of good pieces in terms of their offense, bringing back their starting quarterback. Uh, Tyler Goodson is going to be great for them and everything. Um, I think they, out of all the teams in the West, they probably just had the least question marks. They bring back a lot of their production from last year with that, like that extra COVID year. A lot of seniors are able to return. And I would not be surprised if the Iowa Hawkeyes make a run to the Big Ten Championship. With all that being said, though, Regardless of all of it, Ohio State's probably still going to win the Big Ten this year. So, Xavier, who are you picking to make the Big Ten championship? Yeah, I'll just, you know, kind of copy your answer with Ohio State. I won't speak up, but you kind of got everything with Ohio State that I was probably going to say. With a, They're just a powerhouse. I don't, I don't see them losing a game this year. It'd be shocking. If Penn State does make a resurgence, that would be a great game to see. But going on to my next one, I'm going Wisconsin. I'm going to Wisconsin to challenge them for the uh, the Big Ten Championship. I think a lot of people wrote off Graham Mertz that COVID year. And we've mm. seen a lot of athletes, you know, they get COVID and they're not the same. But we saw from that first game that Graham Mertz has talent. And I think he can lead that Wisconsin Badger team to the Big Ten Championship with Jalen Berger or whoever they have at running back with the impressive O-line they always have. 
And it, I, I think Wisconsin can be a formidable challenger. I was debating between Iowa and Wisconsin for a while, but I feel like you just need to have that – you have to have that dynamic – just something about your team has to have that dynamic player or just that it factor of making it to a championship. Iowa just screams – not mediocrity, but, like, you're so close, but you're just not there yet. Hmm. So – so who who you got winning Big Ten? Big Ten is still Ohio State. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. They have too many receivers, too many great talents. And, you know, even though it's a question mark about their defense for me, they probably still have another Chase Young in the backyard. So Yeah, I believe his name is Jack Miller. That's the name I'm looking Ooh. for this year. Okay. All right. So you are why am I getting notifications right now? Anyway, uh moving on to Big Twelve. Saver, I'll let you yep. uh do your guys first here. Yeah, it's Oklahoma uh, as my first one to uh, make it to the Big 12 championship. Uh, there's been a lot of news about Oklahoma this uh, past summer with them wanting to leave the Big 12 and move to the SEC in the future 2025. But we're sticking to the now. Oklahoma's still in the Big 12. They still have uh, challenges ahead of them, but they've definitely improved from last season. Spencer Rattler is more poised in the pocket. He's going to grow as a quarterback. He's definitely prepared for the se- uh, for a breakout season of, like, you know, 3,500 yards passing or something like that and a lot of touchdowns with the receivers they have. And their defense actually did get a lot better. Their their defensive coordinator is definitely probably their bright spot of the past few years of, like, what he's done with that program. Now, can he do it in the big game? Can he, you know, can he, can he win the Big 12 and make it to a playoff game and, you know, win some games and have those guys ready? But just for the Big 12 strictly, they'll be fine. I think mm-hmm. it's Oklahoma. Now, on to the next one. Iowa State, which a lot of people, you know, are finally starting to recognize. I was one of those uh, non-believers last season at the beginning of the season. And yeah, Jared you were. Kind of brought, yeah, Jared brought me along the way to help me see the light. They're returning a lot of starters, a lot of starters um, from offense to defense. So, Brace Hall, you know, number one running back, I guess, for a lot of people this year. Maybe not too many people, but still, I think he's majority probably the second overall pick. Um, you still have Brock Purdy, a serviceable quarterback. Uh, Great receiver, um, decent receiver weapons, uh, but it's mainly because of that defense they're going to get far. But in the in the Big Twelve Championship, I think it's still going to be Oklahoma. That there's too much talent that's just going to override them. I don't think it's going to be like last year where you know there was a few questionable plays, uh, you know, a few questionable calls made by the referees that kind of gave Iowa State a unfair chance. But ultimately, I think Oklahoma will just blow them out this year. I don't think it would be close. So I have the exact same matchup that Xavier does. I got Oklahoma, I got Iowa State. Um, I do think Texas will probably have something to say about that this year. I do think I don't think they're going to be headed for an eight and four season or a nine and three season or anything like that. I think they're going to be plenty good, put right back into the conversation. Um, now but, this is not a this is not a thing about saying Texas is back. We're not on that train. Me and Jared are never <laughs> on the Texas is back train. Ne- never, on, never on that train. Uh, but regardless, I do have a different winner. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the Iowa State Cyclones to have a magical year and to win the Big 12 this year. Now, here's a caveat. I do think Oklahoma makes it through the Big 12 undefeated into the conference game. I think this is where they slip up. I think that I think Iowa State going into that Big 12 championship, knowing what happened last year, how close they were to having just such a magical year. They beat Oklahoma once last year. They couldn't they do it again. I feel like that this is the year that they finally make it happen when it matters most. And I'd say the Iowa Cyclones win the Big 12 and put the Oklahoma Sooners in jeopardy of missing the playoffs, even with only one loss. 
Now, I'll ask you this question. Now, you say they will put them in jeopardy. Do you think the committee will still put Oklahoma in if they that, lost? No, that's what I'm jeopardy? saying. I Do I think? It depends on what's going on with the rest of the country. I, I think even with whatever's going on in the rest of the country, I think a Big 12 championship loss is going to be a, a big enough stand and I'll put you in. Now, if Iowa State went undefeated. If it's a close I loss, they, I don't see it happening. Nah, I, I still don't. I still think I think the committee would not put them in. Iowa State went undefeated and won the Big Twelve. Then I'd be like, you have to put Iowa State in or mm. somebody else that had a better season, I guess. But that's neither here nor there. We'll see what happens throughout the season. We're moving on to our next uh, conference, which is Conference USA. So I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and put my talk about my two teams here. So yeah. the first team I'm going to put in here is last year's champion, Marshall. I think they make it back again this year. They're bringing back uh, Grant Wells. They got uh, some pretty good options at running back. They got um, Xavier Gaines still there at tight end. Um, I think they're gonna be just fine. I think it'll be just enough to get them back into the conference. The other team I really wanna talk about, UTSA. This is a team that surprisingly, when I went back in history and everything, this is a team that's been kind of right there right outside of the conference championship talk for this conference and i think they're bringing back too much this year in order to be ignored and for them to not make the championship they bring back frank harris who is a very good runner of a quarterback who's going to provide plenty of options for defenses to try to consider sincere mccormick is probably going to be one of the best fantasy running backs this upcoming year i think he's going to be fantastic for anybody who has that and then you have a duo of wide receivers in frank uh, zakari franklin and joshua cephas who i think are going to be awesome uh for them to use this year so when it comes down to it i think this is kind of a coin flip of a conference for the most part but at the end of the day i do think you will see utsa as the um oops there we go you see utsa as the champion of conference usa this year so xavier who do you have making the championship oh man this is tough i, I really didn't want to do marshall like this i only did that i only did not include marshall because brendan knox was, was gone mm -hmm. i was like i love brendan knox last year and i think he was a big part of that marshall offense but i think i can't believe i'm saying this i'm gonna buy into the western kentucky team I think with what they gained through the portal and what they had in terms of talent-wise on the offensive side of the ball, with Bailey Zapp, they got through the transfer portal. Jeff Stearns, they got through the transfer portal. His little brother, Josh Stearns. And then you have so many other receivers that I can poss possibly can't name right now. I think they're offensively poised to put up big numbers in a lot of those games that a lot of teams can't outscore them. Now, mm -hmm. I will say I agree with you with this. I think UTSA, who's my other team that I have going to the championship game, they are returning a lot. Sincere McCormick is a prolific running back and will probably be one of the best running backs in college football fantasy. And with Frank Harris being, you know, somewhat dual threat, mostly using his legs, I think they're just returning too much. And I think with that experience and with West Kentucky being, I'm not just going to say, it, it feels like West Kentucky is a brand new team to this conference. They're not the same old West Kentucky of last year where they had Gage Walker and a bunch of just terrible, terrible fantasy and just terrible personnel options. So I think, you know, I'll go with the experience of UTSA and what they have and what they know they need to get done. So I think UTSA will ultimately win the CUSA. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next conference as soon as I get my stuff in order here. Oops, what have I done? Hold up, technical difficulties. Don't worry about oh, it. Don't worry about it's it. It's fine, it's fine. All right, we're going to the MAC. 
We're going to the Mac. The Mac is back. The return of the Mac. All right, Xavier, believe, you are up first. I started off. Okay, let's go. So I ultimately decided coming out of the East, I'm going with Kent State as my first choice. Um, Kent State has a rough schedule ahead of them, but this is just conference play. So besides the rough uh, first like uh, five weeks, except for like one game, they have it rough. Dustin Crum has to face a lot of tough Power Five opponents, and you know, barring anything happening. If he stays healthy and he gets to return to the MAC, I think he's poised to have another great fantasy season and just the season in general. So with uh, Jay Sean Polk and Marquez Cooper in the backfield, uh, I think Kent State's still one of those powerhouses like last year. They just couldn't knock off um, who was a Buffalo, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, and going on to my next team, I'm gonna uh, say I'm gonna go with Western Michigan. I'm gonna go with Western Michigan. I'm gonna believe in Caleb Ellaby. Um, I think with, uh, with Caleb Ellaby's, you know dual threat ability and the receivers that they have with uh sky Moore, i believe i'm saying that correctly sky Moore is a uh, western michigan yes. wide receiver yeah um i think i think uh, i have them a little bit rated higher than eastern michigan i know it's a law was a toss-up between the michigan teams but i think ellaby with his skill set and with the receivers that they have i think western michigan can uh do some damage this year and ultimately i'm going with the winner of west michigan that's not what you wrote in my notes. Oh, what? I did not? I could have swore I went. No, there's that's no way. Oh, man. I went. I could have swore I went Western Michigan. Wow, this is, this is interesting. I went Kent State. Well, this is I, awkward. Anyway, this is really I'm, awkward. I'm, I'm, yeah. Regardless, I'll move on to mine. I had the exact yeah. same matchup. And guess what? I did put Western Michigan in the notes. Wow. Okay. So I win. Yes. <laughs> so, I was like, why did I go Kent State? This is gonna this yeah. this is gonna be a fun game conference weekend or conference championship weekend. I think it's gonna be a very very fun team or very very fun game to watch. Lots of points scored in this game, but in a setting like this, to me, you have to go with a team that just has a little bit more defense that can get just that one extra stop when they need it, and that's where I think Western Michigan is gonna shine. Kent State's defense is not good. Um, that offense is going to carry them throughout the entire season. And so I think at the end of the day, Western Michigan will be your champion of the MAC conference this upcoming year. So we'll go ahead and move on here to the Mountain West. So we'll go ahead and put my championship match up here. So I think Nevada comes out of the, um, what is it? Yeah, the West. Nevada comes out of the West. I think their offense is just going to be too hard to stop for most teams in the Mountain West this year. Um, there's a lot of other good teams in that Western Division: Hawaii, Fresno State. Um, that's going to it's going to be a bloodbath in that division. Is all I'm going to say. But I think Nevada does make it out on top. Um, and then, in terms of who comes out of the Mountain Division, I originally went with Boise State. But part of me was always looking for a reason for not include Boise State because, again, they have a brand new head coach. Brian Harson's off to Auburn. They bring back um, Avalos from Oregon. He was the defensive coordinator at Oregon. So I think they're going to have a good head coach, but I think it's going to take them a year or two to really get it going. Meanwhile, another team down in the Mountain, Co- Mountain Division is bringing back 97% of their returning production from last year. And it's a team that, once again, is just kind of right outside that cusp. And I do think that you will see the Wyoming Cowboys make the Mountain West Conference Championship this year. But at the end of the day, once again, 
I do think that Nevada is going to be too hard to stop on offense, and they will be the champions of the Mountain West this year. So Xavier, who are you got in the championship? Yeah, I have uh, Nevada as well. I have I agree with you. Carson Strong is uh, for that conference. I think Carson Strong is probably one of, the, if not the best quarterback for that conference, and the slew of weapons that he has from Cole Turner to Romeo Dubs and um, God, I, don't, I can't even name the other receivers. Um, yeah, he just has too much. Uh, Toa Toa in the backfield as well, too. Toa Toa. Mm-hmm. But I think we differ a little bit to where even with the coaching change at Boise State, I think, you know, the personnel that they still have with Khalil Shakir, you know, at the helm of their wide receiver room is going to be too enough, uh, too much for that mountain division. So I have Boise making it to that uh, championship game, but I still ultimately have Nevada winning. Uh, I think that's fair. And again, like, I was very close to putting Boise in the championship um because again that mountain conference for the most part or the mountain division is pretty weak for just the most part um so they could easily just make it back so now we're gonna move on to the pac-12 so xavier i'll let you put your two guys in first yeah uh so starting off i have oregon so yeah oregon mario cristobal has done a good job of recruiting he's been a great head coach even though that last season with only like six games they could get to the Pac-12 championship, it didn't feel like they made it to the Pac-12 championship. It was just a lot of just ups and downs of the season with everything going on with cancellations and things like that. Almost felt like it was gifted to them. So, but I do believe in that defense. They had the highest uh, amount of turnovers, uh, I think the year before last and also this past year in the Pac-12. Oregon always has a great defense. It will be interesting to see the quarterback situation. Will it be Anthony Brown or will it be Ty Thompson? News is Ty Thompson had a great uh, few past few scrimmages. I think the past two he's been that leader. Um, but they have great receivers, a lot of young great receivers like Troy Franklin, Isaiah Crocker. Um, they have a lot of good returning receivers from Devin Williams to Johnny Johnson uh, the third. So I think, and then you know, if you want to be a CJ Verdell believer uh, and hoping that he has that good season this year, you can. But also you have. Um, Travis Dye as well, that me and Jared are both high on that. We think that's the best back at Oregon. I think Oregon is just the more complete team for um, out there in the North, uh, the Pac-12 North. Now, going down to the South, this is tough. I had to go with Utah. My, my gut really won. I love Arizona State. I love everything about Arizona State. I was State legitimately ever. surprised when you put this pick in. I thought you were going to go yeah. Arizona State. I really, really wanted to go Arizona State because I love Jaden Daniels. I love uh, Rashad White and Demontre uh, Trayanum and a lot of the receivers that I'm kind of high, uh, high on, like from LV to Elijah to just a few other names that are sprinkling around uh, camp as well, too. But I ultimately went with Utah because I think their defense, you know, defense wins championships and defense gets you there. And I think with um, God, why is his name eluding me? The quarterback there that transferred from Baylor, Charlie Brewer. Brewer. Yep. Yeah, Charlie Brewer went 15 for 15 in his spring game. And I think, you know, it's, he just needs to stay healthy. The concussions have definitely been a problem, but I think when he is healthy, he could be very accurate with a lot of receivers that he got, especially those Nebraska transfers with the brothers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And whoever they put at uh, running back, I know they just had the loss of uh, their, their up-and-coming running back, the freshman. That yeah, Ty away. Jordan. God, yeah, that, Ty Jordan. God, I hated that Sad so story. much. Yeah. Sad story with them. But ultimately, I think Utah's still in a position where they can win the South. Uh, I think Arizona State, with all the controversy and things that are happening uh, with them, 
it might be a lot too much noise and then it might there might the NCAA might come down hard on them this season or maybe next season in the future but still it's just so much then, uncertainty or they could be like Baylor where all the coaches and all the uh players involved at that time will have graduated and moved on and then you punish them oh yeah the NCAA can do that and then we just ultimately just say forget the NCAA like hopefully we'll get to that but I think Utah just has a lot returning, especially on that defensive side of the ball to where I think they will take off uh, Arizona State for that South. And I think ultimately, I'm going to get this right, Oregon's going to win. Oregon, I think offensively, just has way too much. And it's the Pac-12. You have to be able to win in a shootout. I don't think Utah is like, you know, a very – like I think Utah is a good enough defense for the Pac-12. I'm not saying Utah is a great defense in terms of all of college football. I mean, they have good pieces, but – yeah, I think Oregon's just offensive talent will be able to overpower them in that game. It will be a game to see, like that Mount, uh, the Mountain West Conference as well, too. I think it's, it will be a high-scoring game, probably in like the 30s or 40s. Oh, fair. The teams. Um, so I'm not going to spend any time on this. I have the exact same matchup and the exact same Ooh. winner. I'm going with Oregon. I'm going with Utah, and I think Oregon wins it. So I think I think probably the thing that people will call us out on is they think, why not USC in the South? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big believer in Keaton Slovis. Now, if Jackson Dart starts for USC at any point this season, this could whole thing could change in my opinion. Jackson Dart is legit. I've been hearing oh, a yeah. lot of great things out of camp about him. Easily pushing Slovis for that starting job right now. And considering Clay Helton is continuously on the hot seat, I would not be shocked if at one point he makes the desk. As Colin Decker said on his podcast a little while ago, uh, he'll throw a dart. He'll throw Jackson Dart out there, and just to see what happens. And if that happens, I would not be shocked if USC does make the Pac-12 championship. I'm we'll, going like USC's defense. I'm not going to put trust in a USC defense. I mean, they got Corey Foreman now, so yeah. Okay, we'll see. Uh, freshman, yeah, that was number one overall, but uh, I can't do that just yet. That's, oh, he's number two overall now because uh, Quinn Ewers reclassified. Remember? Oh yeah. Oh man. But anyway, we'll move on to the best conference, and that's the SEC. The SEC. I'm going to go through this quickly because I think it's Yo, this is relatively we chalky. We, this is relatively chalky for me. Georgia out of the East, Alabama out of the West. I don't see any teams really challenging either in either division. I know a lot of people are going to say Texas A&M maybe in the West or LSU maybe in the West. I think those those two are going to eat each other, and then Alabama will get at least a loss over one of over them or Alabama's going to get a wins over both of them. So I think Alabama comes out undefeated out of the West. A lot of people are going to say, what about Florida out of the East? Yeah, even if Florida beats Georgia somehow this year, Florida has to face LSU in Alabama. Georgia does not. So Florida definitely has plenty of room to lose uh, other SEC games. I just don't see them uh, making it out unblemished like that. So I do think yeah. Georgia still makes it out of the East regardless of what happens in the cocktail party. But regardless, my official prediction is I think both of these teams make it to the SEC championship undefeated. And you're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. I don't do this. Don't switch your pick now. Just go on to my next one. Don't do this. Because I know what you're about to do. And I don't want you to do this. Because you you're at I the do, school right now. I oh my god. I do think Alabama wins the SEC championship, but I don't see a world where the playoff keeps out the loser of this game if they both make it undefeated. So my official prediction is that both Alabama and Georgia make it to the playoff. Alabama undefeated, Georgia with one loss. 
That is my official prediction. Xavier, what do you got? Speed, speed through mine. So it's the exact same thing, except I have the different winner. I'm going with the whole – I mean, it's not even biased. I'm going to I'm gonna break this down and come in this from the outside and knowing the information that I know. But I'm going to take out my homer bias. I believe Georgia will win the SEC championship. I think over the past, let's say, three, four years – Let's let's take out the LSU uh, year where you know Alabama wasn't at their fullest and Georgia definitely wasn't at that fullest and LSU was just unstoppable. Alabama has beaten Georgia from having you know, Alabama has beaten Georgia every time in the SEC championship or whether it be the College Football National Championship with you know a starting quarterback that has had reps you know either the previous year or played behind somebody and that has come in and has learned the playbook. Bryce Young is going in there with a new offensive coordinator that's not Steve Sarkeesian, and we'll see what Bill O'Brien does. But I just don't see – I feel like – I'm not going to say that Bryce Young is a true, true freshman quarterback, but we have not seen him play, like, a full game of football. We've seen him play in some fourth quarters here or there. The man probably had 35 attempts this past season, while Mac Jones had over, like, 200, 300, something ridiculous. And usually from Alabama, we see – like, we saw Tua get a lot of good minutes when Jalen Hurts was behind. And we saw Mac Jones get some good minutes when uh, Jalen Hurts transferred out and uh, Tua was the starter. And we saw Mac Jones kind of ease into that role and Bryce Young not take that job. Now, I will say Alabama's defense is a very scary thing for me. I believe they will. I know the past year, I think the last year I said this will be probably their weakest defense. This year will be one of their best defense in a while. They have a lot of good players that they recruited, a lot of good players that got through the transfer portal, a lot of good players that they brought up. But I think Georgia has done well on the offensive side of the ball from getting transferred from if we can get Eric Gilbert healthy, if we can get Marcus Rosemey healthy, if George Pickens comes back by the SEC championship, Jermaine Burton, if JT Downs is who we think he is, which I think he's still top five or top ten in Heisman odds and plays like he uh, like he should, I think Georgia ultimately knocks off Alabama with, you know, the stars that they got back especially too. And our defense is no joke either. The secondary is a little bit iffy, but that, that front line, and also, Alabama's running back room has question marks as well, too. So I think Georgia ultimately wins. But I, that's neither here nor there. We'll see at the end of the it's season. A clo- it's, like, it's a toss-up. No, no, nobody's going to blame you for going either way this year. Yeah. Like, on paper, Georgia probably has the edge. But also, I'm a broken Georgia fan, and I'm, I just have learned don't – don't underestimate Bama no matter oh no no no, no matter not, how weak not, you might think they might yeah. be. So, I'm not on the train of we want Bama. Like I'm not asking for that challenge, but I know what we have up against and I think our players will be ready by that time. So So we'll go ahead and move on to our last conference here. The Sun Belt. So Xavier, who do you got in the Sun Belt? Okay. Coastal Carolina is my first team. I just want y'all to look at Coastal Carolina's schedule. It is probably one of the easiest, probably like the top probably one of the top three easiest schedules I've seen in a while next to Liberty to where they play essentially nobody. Like they should ease on their way with Reese White, Grayson McCall, Isaiah Likely, and that defense to just go. Basically I, if they lose a game, I would, it would be a, I think they failed their season. If they lose a game, this, this is their prime to have an undefeated season and make a great bowl game like they did last year. You, and so I'm I'm gonna ask you if they go undefeated through the conference championship no. playoffs. <laughs> no, 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 not with that week schedule. No. Nah, nah, fair, fair, fair. Nah, if they played like one premier opponent and one like if they played a Notre Dame or if they beat off a Miami or UNC, then I'd be like, you're in the questionable area. But no, no, they're not, they're not doing that. So who else you got and, there? 
Then we have Louisiana Lafayette. I think uh, even though they're losing Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragas, uh, that defense is still pretty good. Like uh, people, people are. I'm not going to say for the for the average college football fan. You know, you look at these uh, these lower conferences or these group of five conferences. You just say, "Oh man, Louisiana uh, Lafayette. They're probably not a good team. I don't know anybody there." But if you look at that conference and the people that they play, and last year they've knocked off Iowa State, and I and I laughed at Jared for that because he was just telling me about Iowa State during that time, and I was like, they just lost to Louisiana Lafayette. But I was humbled to where I had an enlightenment moment where I was like, the Raging Cajuns are a good defensive football team. Mm-hmm. Not, and I'm not going to say not across all of college football, but the fact that they knocked off an Iowa State team with Brees Hall, that, that, that shows me something. It will be a great game to see between Coastal and uh, Louisiana Lafayette, but I just don't think with Levi Lewis and it is a question mark about their, uh, they're not great in the passing game. They do have a receiver that we're, uh, we'll, we'll see how he uh, does. I'm trying to remember his name. Kyron Lacey. Uh, Kyron Lacey. Uh, we'll see how he uh, works out with that offense, but um, we'll see. I, I think Chris Smith uh, is the running back there. That's going to take up a lot of those carries from Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragas, but I don't think it will be enough to knock off the coast, uh, coast of Carolina. So right. Coastal Carolina winning. Very nice. I have the exact same matchup. I think Coastal Carolina uh, comes out, and I think you got the Raging Cages coming out of the other division. And I got a different winner than you. I'm going to oh, go. Man. I'm going Louisiana. I just think Louisiana is going to be a bit more battle tested by the time we mm, get to the conference, cool. cha- uh, conference championship. They play Texas week one. They do. Um, so that's going to be immediately. They're just going to be thrown into the fire. Um, they're going to be. They're going to be ready. F- they'll start going to a lesser competition almost immediately after that. Um, they got a few better teams in their uh, division than Coastal Carolina does, in my opinion. So they're going to be kind of facing better teams throughout the rest of the division. If they come out on top, like I believe they will be, I just don't think Coastal Carolina will be ready for a team that has had that much experience. And thus, I think they'll win overall. So those are our conference predictions. Again, we didn't go super in depth on any of that or anything. Like we didn't give you like what their records are going to be. Like uh, we, we're also not making playoff predictions or anything like that because yeah. you shouldn't do that until at least halfway through the season. There's really not much point to that. But even still, conference champions. Like this was just a bit of fun. Had a great discussion here. So now we're going to move on to our last segment for this episode. And we're going to talk zero. about the week zero games. Y'all, we have games this week. It is so crazy. So, Xavier, I'm going to let you. We got five games this weekend. I'm going to let you pick a game and talk about like what you're interested in, what players you're looking for, maybe fantasy purposes or just football in general. Oh, man, there's there's three. Uh, actually, there's uh, all these games are just so interesting to me because they all have players that I'm looking out for. That's the best part about fantasy is like it gets you interested in games that you never would have thought about watching before. Absolutely. I, I guess I'll go for the big one. I, I really am going to um, I'm excited to see what that UCLA offense is going to look like this year. Are they going to get better or are they going to look more of the same? Is DTR going to be fully healthy? Because he just came back from camp. And after I think the injury was on in his leg, right, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I didn't hear anything about an injury. I just know he was missing from camp for a couple of days. Oh, I thought he was missing for a while. It was like a week or two or some weeks. But either way, DTR is coming back. Um, from what we hear, he's, uh, it's fine. I have nothing to panic about. 
uh, see if he uh, improved on his passing game or if it's just more of like, you know, a lot of more of just him, his rushing ability and, uh, you know, him putting up five touchdowns is also having like four interceptions or anything like that. And then Hawaii, I, I want to see how Calvin Turner uh, faces up against a group, uh, a power five team. If, mm-hmm. uh, if he can handle that pressure, if he, you know, he's not the greatest rusher in the world, but it's just also, it's the fact that him in combination with his receiving and his like, you know, minimum, his minimum rushing ability where he'll get like maybe 40 yards rushing, but have like 88 yards receiving off of mm-hmm. like four receptions. So if that, if UCLA will scheme against mm-hmm. that and kind of shut him down, but uh, mainly, yeah, that game, I, I think that's the one I'm mainly looking out for, but I will be watching all the other games. Um <coughs> I know Fresno State and UConn will be a fast. Like, if we did count week zero, oh, man, if you have Fresno State players, it's going to be fun. That's a game I was about to point out here. Um, I've invested a lot in Fresno State recently because I think a lot of people are scared off by the two bye weeks. So I've had guys like Ronnie Rivers, Jalen Cropper, Jake Heiner all fall to me. And guys, these are going to be incredible fantasy players for you during the weeks that you have them. I know that you don't like the idea of losing them on week 10 and week six. I think their bye weeks are. I get it. But also, this is going to be a such a pass-heavy offense in the Mountain West, a defensively challenged conference. You are going to see these guys get fed. And I again, I think this past week, I might have drafted two teams where I, I have at least two out of the three of those guys of Rivers, Hayner, and Cropper. I want to see what they look like against UConn this upcoming weekend. If they fail there, that's going to be real tough for me to swallow. But even still, like that's, that's probably the game I'm looking forward to the most this week in terms of fantasy. Now, yeah, of course, isn't we, the spread, oh, I was going to say, isn't the spread like minus 27 and a half for it Fresno is, State? Fresno State was minus 27 and a half last time I cool. looked. First of all, don't bet that. Too close to a touchdown line. Yeah. Um, even still, like Hawaii at UCLA, gonna be a great game. UConn at Fresno State, gonna be great. But we do have a conference game in week zero. Um, I think we should talk about Nebraska at Illinois. Uh, I am not buying into Nebraska at all this year, especially with the recent news with Scott Frost. They are absolutely trying to get that man fired, um, without having to pay his buyout. So I have a feeling that that program is not going to do well at all this year. But Illinois is a team I'm kind of interested in. They hire Brett Belima, not the not the you know not like a home run hire as far as I'm concerned or anything like that. But it does raise a lot of questions for me as to what this offense is going to look like. So I want to see it. Uh, Chase Brown is the running back there at Illinois. I have quite a few shares of him this upcoming year. I like what I've seen out of running backs in Brett Belima's offenses in the past. So if he gets fed the rock constantly, it's going to be great. Uh, another one of my favorite players, Luke Ford, uh, playing for Illinois. If they do have, if, or if they're relying on their passing game a little bit, Brett Belima's offenses have typically used the tight end in short yard situations and just peppered them with targets in the past. So if Luke Ford really is this, or as talented as we think he is, he's going to feast in this kind of offense. So that's the game. That that's another game I'm kind of looking at here. So Xavier, anything else you wanted to add here? Uh, I will be looking out for UTEP. Uh, I did like uh, what I saw at Deion Hankins last year, the running back from UTEP. Um, it will be interesting to see if he can uh, kind of produce the similar or even greater value than last year. Um, he, he was a very serviceable waiver wire pickup for me last year. I didn't know anything about Deion Hankins, but he gets a few hundred yard games here or there, and I was like, eh, we'll see what he does this year. So 
Hmm. And then San Jose State, I will, I would like to see that offense. So, I, I agree with you. San Jose State's gonna be interesting because they bring back Nick Starkle, but they lose their top two wide receivers in Trey Walker and Gaither. So I think it'll be interesting to see if another receiver steps up there, like Isaiah Hamilton, uh, Derek Deese. I want to see what his usage looks like. Tyler Nevins, their running back, see if he gets a bit more carries now that um, receivers are a bit more questionable than they had in the, had been in the past. I agree with you very much that that could be a very interesting late night game to watch. Uh, with that, I think we covered all five games. Yeah. So we kind of went th- through that a bit quicker than I was kind of expecting, but even still, like it's week zero, it's only five games, uh, but it's a great appetizer for what the upcoming college football season has to offer. We have a conference game in there. We have a lot of non-con games in there between some big programs, Hawaii, UCLA, UConn. Or I'm not going to say UConn's a big program or anything like that, but you know what I mean. These are group, These are FBS programs going against each other. It's not just a bunch of FCS um, teams fighting out against some Power 5 team or anything like that. It's going to be great. I can't wait to uh, see what happens, see if we can get anything out of it for next week's show. Um, with that, I think we basically have covered everything with this show. So, yeah. y'all, thank you so much for hopping back in. Uh, thank you guys for joining us again. We look forward to the in-season content we're going to provide to you guys. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. Xavier is at CFF underscore Xavier. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll see all of our shows there. Maybe a few extra... Uh, videos here and there don't know yet we're gonna see if we can figure something out there um make sure you follow us on spotify apple podcasts um we're we're very excited about the season y'all it's our first full season providing content to you guys and we're very excited to hear from you guys see what you like see what you don't like um yeah this is gonna be awesome y'all have is anybody want to say anything before we head up uh yeah i was gonna Thank all of our uh, subscribers and followers. Uh, we love the interaction that we get on social media and uh, through y'all listening to our podcast. I think our next show will probably be uh, probably right after the, the Saturday slate um, of games. And then after that, our first uh, Kings Classic uh, game is surprisingly. Uh, did you know that Ohio State and Minnesota play on a Thursday? I did. I did, yeah, actually. That's, that's that's really weird. So I guess we're going to have to get out our Kings Classic draft video, uh, which will probably be a short, you know, 20 to 30 minute video probably even shorter than that if that uh so we'll have that out by uh, next wednesday um to tell you all how we're gonna set up our lineups for that week but um uh, because yeah it's gonna be a thursday game for a conference uh for the week one that's just so interesting to me but yeah mm. uh that we we thank y'all from the bottom of our hearts and we uh look forward to what we have for this season so yeah all right y'all thanks for joining in we'll see you guys next week